It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This Locked On Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box, and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. Luke Inman in the captain's chair once again today, filling in for our guy Sam Ekstrom. So you already know we're going to be talking some NFL draft today and the Vikings plans heading into April. Reef Hassan with Pro Football Network. I had a tweet go viral yesterday, and now I hate it. So I've learned that lesson. Luke Braun of Locked on Vikings, and I'll make sure that that is reflected on a Reef's podcasting report card. It's the Minnesota football party. Run it! Locked on Sports Minnesota podcast. It's endless Minnesota Vikings talk with the diverse voices of your local experts. It's time for the Minnesota football party. It's your guys hanging out talking next level Vikings football. So join in with Pro Football Network's Arif Hassan, Locked On Vikings Luke Braun, Superior Sports Talk's Luke Inman, and Vikings Insider Sam Ekstrom, plus the biggest names in Minnesota football for the Minnesota Football Party. And it starts now. Welcome in. It's the Minnesota Football Party, part of the Locked On Sports Minnesota Network. Fellas, got a fun one lined up today. I want to talk about that KOC presser down in Indy yesterday. Some of your guys' biggest takeaways. Plus, as Luke mentioned, the Vikings aced their NFLPA report card. And then later, I got a fun little draft for us to partake in. But first, joined as usual, Arif Hassan, Pro Football Network, Vikings Insider. He's joining us live down in Indy at the Combine on Twitter, at Arif Hassan NFL. Next, Luke Braun, the kid you copied off in math class, on Twitter, at Luke Braun NFL. So, guys, Ekstrom, he's currently on like a 10-hour Greyhound bus ride traveling to Michigan. He's going to call the St. Thomas hockey game. What do you think Sam watches on these long rides when he pulls out the laptop, signs into Netflix or Hulu? What do you think Sam's binge show is? Like, if I know Sam like I think I do, it's something very family-friendly, maybe TV PG, a lot of Planet Earth, Full House reboot, oh, maybe. Yeah. Young Planet Sheldon. Earth. I'm going to say classic romantic comedies. Yes. Oh, I could yes. see that. To me, I mean, Sam is very dedicated to his work, right? Mm-hmm. And so I could see him just pulling up a season of All or Nothing, you know? There you go. Yep. Yeah. How, how did the Cardinal season go? Maybe there's an assistant yeah. coach yeah. that shows up in episode eight that the Vikings hire at some point, right? Like, that seems <laughs> like a very Sam thing to do. 
I just picture him on this bus with all these collegiate hockey studs, these top-end alpha male athletes, and then you got Sam in the front row trying to connect to the Wi-Fi, watching the Wonder Years or MasterChef Junior, you know? Why, I mean, Why won't when Harry yeah. met Sally load? Yeah, What's going on, go. man? Yeah. Oh, it's streaming again now. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah. Maybe if he's feeling really wild, maybe he turns on a Parks and Rec or maybe The Office, something like that. Yeah, when he's feeling frisky about it. Yeah, yeah, when he's feeling frisky. Yep, wife's out of town. Maybe can, you know, pour himself a glass of red, something like that. Okay. <laughs> all right, all right. Before we jump into the it, guys, remember, smart. follow along Lockdown Minnesota YouTube channel. Hit the subscribe button and on Twitter, give us a follow. It's at Lockdown M-I-N. And remember, we're a podcast too, free and available, all platforms. Subscribe, drop us a five-star review. Tons of great choices over there. Your one-stop shop with endless Vikings talk with local experts. Again, do us a favor. Hit the subscribe button and drop us a five-star review. I want to jump into that KOC presser yesterday, but first, every day I go post a new poll over in the Locked On Minnesota YouTube community page. Yesterday, I asked fans, which Vikings defensive player will excel the most under Brian Flores? Four options. Harrison Smith, Hunter, Andrew Booth I threw out there, and Brian Asamoah. Check this out. Brian Asamoah. Takes it down. Nearly half the votes. Hunter and Harry basically tied for second. Booth That's and last. Fan brain. That is fan brain. 100 percent. Yeah. Right. So <laughs> I, I know we've touched on this quite a bit already ever since Brian Flores got hired. So just real quick, guys, 30 seconds. When you think of Brian Flores and his defense, which current player do you think thrives in this defense the most? Whether that's a young guy taking a big step forward or one of those key vets, maybe, you know, jumping back to a high level again, or maybe just a wild card, a less obvious guy that nobody's talking about. Luke? Let's start with you. Yeah, we we've d- done this, but it's, mm-hmm. it's Harrison Blitz, right? Like, it's Harrison that's Blitz. Got to be the yeah, it's my guy. It's the the idea of especially like improvement year to year too, because his 2022 was so quiet because he never blitzed, and that mm-hmm. was part of what we're trying to change here. I think that'll be an emphasis. Yeah, I think uh, yeah, I think when we had this discussion, I mentioned that Eric Kendricks is probably going to get a little bit of a revival out of this, and I think that that's well worth watching. Um, I think if we were to pick like who's going to appear to be the best defensive player on the team, I think you could probably say Daniil Hunter. Right? I agree. Like, he, I mean, he played at a pretty high level. I think it just unnoticed is kind of a weird way to put it, especially for such a high-impact position. But I feel like people didn't give him the kind of, especially in the second half of the season, give him the, including Ed Donatel, by the way. We had that discussion um, for how well he played. But it feels like uh, somebody like... Um, you know, Daniel Hunter is probably going to do pretty well in, in this system because of the way Brian Flores designs rush attacks. Yeah, honestly, probably not a bad pick in here. Seeming the defense was so bad last season, there's only one place for a lot of these guys to go. Hunter and Harry kind of touched on it. Always come to mind first because when you think of the Flores defense, you think guys who can do a little bit of everything have that versatility just from play to play. Harrison and Hunter, both guys I think Flores is going to be able to just maximize the most by moving them around, forcing offenses, forcing quarter quarterbacks to just constantly try to keep track of where they're at, whether it's, you know, Harry in the box one play and then center field the next or Hunter on the edge on first and second and then maybe over the A gap or B gap on third down, whatever it may be. And then as far as those young guys go, I think Asamoa, I think he was ready for a big leap no matter who the coach was. He just seems primed to kind of take on a starting role, kind of fly around, make some of these splash plays. And then there was a lot of comments in there as well. Got to mention Lewis Seen, and it sounds like, you know, he's having a 
speedy recovery thus far, too. A lot of people excited to see what Lewis Seen looks like, not just coming back from injury, being a first-round pick, but playing in a Brian Flores defense. In fact, Arif, you're down with the combine. I was looking at last year's combine numbers. It's easy to forget because we didn't get to see him play. We didn't talk about him much. But Seen had a great combine down there. Yeah, four three seven. Yeah, four three seven forty. Good vert, great broad, great explosion numbers. And I know everybody freaked out about not taking Kyle Hamilton, myself included. But I kind of forgot just how weak Hamilton's testing numbers were too at the time. Not that the four six one something like that. Four six eight. I want to say. I mean, ah, I should yeah. I should have it up. But yeah, definitely in the late four sixes. And again, not that the combine should sway us too much in either direction. But after he ran that slow 40 time, he definitely started to slip a little bit in the mock drafts and the consensus big will, board, I, stuff like that. Right before we move on, I do want to add, you know, I'm a huge combine guy. I love using yeah. athletic testing data to project players going forward or to match them to teams, which it looks like we'll have that opportunity given kind of the really strong trend that was established last year for the Vikings. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a huge combine guy. I think it really tells us a lot about players. I think more of a combine guy than, than, than you, Luke. But um, I will say, you know, it, with with Kyle Hamilton's combine, it was something that I was willing to kind of discount him a little bit, but mm-hmm. I didn't move him for my top safety. And if you take a look at how Hamilton played in the second half of the season, he struggled a lot in the preseason. He did yep. not have a great beginning mm-hmm. to his season. Second half of the season for the Ravens, he was probably the best rookie. I shouldn't even say probably. He was the best rookie safety. Wow. He obviously wasn't the yep. best rookie DB. There were two phenomenal mm-hmm. cornerbacks, mm-hmm. right? But – he was the best rookie safety by a substantial margin. So he he did turn out to be pretty good. And uh, if he keeps that up, which maybe he won't, I think that that's still kind of a red flag in that regard. Um, you know, that's going to be kind of an interesting conversation for Vikings fans, you know? Yeah, and Sauce and Tariq Woolen, the two cornerbacks that you're obviously referring to. And you're right. Like, it's such a fluid situation. So many ebbs and flows throughout the season. But it really just goes to show you, we got to pump the brakes. I know it's a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately league, but you really need two, three, sometimes four years to look back and really fairly grade these drafts out. By the way, another guy who had a great combine, kind of forgot about, for his position group anyways. It's just fun because he's excelling now, especially for his draft slot. He was drafted in the sixth round. KJ Osborne didn't excel or like blow up necessarily any any one test, but top to bottom, he was one of the better overall wideouts at the combine. 448 40, 38-inch vert, 123-inch broad jump, seven-second flat three cone, just super solid. And it's just fun to look back and see his rise through the ranks as a six-round pick. One more, too, by the way. I was just looking these up. You know, actually had a pretty bad combine for the Vikings. Kind of forgot about this guy too. Cam Dantzler, Mississippi State. Oh yeah, four six oh, four yeah. forty. Famously. Four All six that bad four. weight he put on. Oh, yeah, that's right. Get up right. to what was it? One eighty? Like he's like yeah, yeah. twenty pounds yeah. of bad one, weight to get to, up to one ninety. Yeah, just to get up to one ninety. Right. Yeah. And then right. he bombed all of his tests. Yeah, dude, it was bad, man. Four six four forty. Only thirty inch arms. To vert was below average. So again, just kind of fun to look back on these testing numbers for good or bad. Sometimes thought that was interesting. He'll be special yeah, to ahead. me forever because he was the first person. I ever like frame by frame Zaprudered an Instagram forty time for. Oh, that was that was a first a for draft me. Twitter tradition. So I'm, I'm glad yeah. that you you find yourself in that area. Yeah, I'll always have that that memory. Arif, what's kind of the golden rule too? Is it with cornerbacks and wideouts, or just corners? Anything lower than four six? Once you get into four sixes, kind of a threshold there where most of those guys just don't translate to the NFL and have success. So the data tells me that it applies to both positions, right? Okay. 
the truism that kind of gets repeated among scouts is primarily around cornerbacks. Uh, they don't apply it as much to receivers, but it is very difficult to find receivers who uninjured. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think this is important for the like Anquan Bolden example, right? Who uninjured run uh, four seven or slower. Got the it. uninjured caveat does run into some problems, right? Because people were applying it to Laquan Treadwell, even though his injury was a year removed, mm-hmm. right? But people are like, mm-hmm. oh, he's still recovering from the injury. It was such a brutal injury. That is true, but. If it takes a year to recover from an injury, like uh, how, what are we getting out of this, right? Totally. Um, there was some discussion surrounding Keenan Allen, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I remember when I first ca- found, you know, kind of this finding, which is, you know, not a particularly complex finding to, to arrive at. Um, that was the time that Kelvin Benjamin had just finished his 1,000-yard season. And my argument was also that Kelvin Bel- Benjamin was actually bad, but he was the only rookie with 1,000 yards, and right. no one was buying it. Right. I'm going to claim that one but like you know jarvis landry was doing pretty well so it's like Mm -hmm. well okay maybe he's one exception i don't know um but i would argue that jarvis landry was kind of overrated at the time too so yeah it's pretty hard to find these post four seven or the slow four seven one guys you find injury guys like anquan bolden and keenan allen but for the most part it is hard to find a four seven receiver which there's not many four seven receivers right but the proportion of four seven receivers that succeed is virtually zero percent Mm. while the proportion of 4-3 receivers that succeed is slightly higher than average when compared to combine draftees. That makes a ton of sense, too. And I'm still uh, 80%, 90%. Go with the film. But again, the combine, especially the last decade or so, has really been a huge key and determining factor for a lot of these teams, especially when you got two guys similarly ranked and can kind of decipher one guy from the next two. All right. Remember, every day, post a new poll over that Lockdown Minnesota YouTube community channel. Go check it out. Hit the subscribe button so you never miss a beat. We're almost to 5,000 subscribers, so please go smash that subscribe button and help us get to our latest milestone. All right, guys, KOC Presser down in Indy yesterday. Big bullet points for me. Tell me what you guys think. First off, always heavy on the culture talk, both him and Kwesi. They love to start these things out anytime they can bringing up the right guys for this championship culture and this championship mindset. Number two, singing the praises of Justin Jefferson, both on and off the field, echoing, again, a lot of what Quasey had to say. Number three, this is the one I kind of latched on to the most, the love for Brian Flores, like we just kind of talked about, spoke highly of his ability to create a defense from the X's and O's standpoint and be able to be versatile and do different things pending on the week and the matchup. And then lastly, he touched on targeting guys that also had versatility he even mentioned specifically guys who can play special teams and maybe do some kick and punt returning, etc. Maybe a hint that they're looking at getting some competition in for Jalen Rager. He also spoke very highly of Lewis Seen and his rehab too. That's what I got out of it. I think I touched it all. Tell me if I'm missing anything. And more so, tell me what jumped out to you the most of that list. What was your biggest takeaways? Let's start with you, Arif. Uh, yeah, I mean, the O'Connell Presser, which I actually was unable to attend, which is mm-hmm. kind of sucked because all the the vikings beat that i you know yeah. familiar with were there but i was able to to watch it back and you know obviously he's like very proud of the way that um you know the nflpa i guess i, I shouldn't say the nflpa graded all the players pulled by the nflpa graded um the facilities which i know luke broad had some really weird interactions with on twitter when he was talking about how you know great it is that the vikings you know i'm not saying luke oh that my god you, yeah you had no my mentions are insane yeah, we, we, let's, let's put a pin in that because I want to hear that in full, right? Um, but I, I think that, you know, connecting that to kind of the larger conversation about player culture, it felt 
earned in a way that a lot of cultural conversations aren't. And then you add on top of that somebody like Brian Flores that comes from a place that we know to have a good culture, which is Pittsburgh. Um, and, and having like kind of Flores have a discussion about kind of the things that work, the things that don't work. I thought that was really nice. But, you know, I, I think that, you know, o- O'Connell, I think, kept a, a pretty even keel. I mean, he was like pretty humble about the things that they needed to correct, all the ways that they self-scouted. Uh, he talked about ways that they felt like, hey, you know, we noticed that all these one high teams, they play too high against us, right? Um, why is that? Well, obviously, it's Justin Jefferson. I mean, also, they can't run the ball. But it's also Justin right. Jefferson, right? right? And, uh, and, and, and I didn't use that information well enough, right? I know that they're changing their scheme to accommodate our, so what do we do about that? Right. Mm. He talked about how, you know, it's, it's good to have home runs as a runner, but you need to be more efficient, which is, I think one of the first times I've seen a head coach talk about running the ball that way, which was kind of nice. Zimmer said basically the opposite. I don't care about efficiency. The home runs matter. Right. And it's like, well, I, mm, Wait, but uh, <laughs> I don't know. Okay, but it was it it was it was really cool to see, and I think that you know, um, I, I obviously I I really like Kevin O'Connell as a coach. Uh, I'm a little bit concerned about a potential drop off for the Vikings next year, and I think ways to avoid that drop off are kind of contained within the discussions that he had. Yeah, Luke, I do want to touch on that NFLPA stuff here in the next segment, but just before we get there, yeah, your top observations from KOC's just trip to the podium yesterday as well. Yeah, it was pretty milk toast. I, I pulled away like two things. I thought it was interesting that the uh, the assistant D line coach that went to Oregon. I thought it was interesting that he he was like that. Everything about that was up front. Like I I think a lot of times when a coach leaves, you go, oh, is there some bitterness? Is he leaving the org? Does he not want to be here? Uh, but no, it's just hey, there's this college job I really want, and if they give it to me, you know, I'm going to take that over whatever is in the NFL. And you go, okay, that's to, you know, and everything was like fine about that. Um, I, I really liked what we heard about him and, and Brian Flores, how their relationship goes back all the way and how it, it seems like both he and, and Adolfo Mensa are, are really excited about Brian Flores as a, a leader um, and as a, a cultural presence. And I think to the most casual of observers that don't know the details of, of like Brian Flores story with Miami, I think there could still be kind of a sentiment that stems from the is it unfair to call it a smear campaign that Miami had against Flores? Uh, is that an unfair word? I, I I would argue that there was a information campaign coming from the Miami Dolphins. I would also argue that it was not in disalignment with a lot of the Miami beat reporters, not all of whom have a positive relationship with the Miami Dolphins, and so okay. would not be a part of. You know that kind of, and so they, there's a there's a strong feeling among the Miami contingent here that there remained a culture problem, and a big part of that has to do with Brian Flores. And so we'll actually see because uh, I heard super positive reviews from from the Pittsburgh contingent, hearing super negative reviews from the Dolphins contingent on that point. Mm. The initial impressions are just that initial impressions, but they are positive here uh, in terms of you know his his uh, his tenure with the the Vikings, but. Um, I'm I'm really curious how it plays out because there were a lot of concerns coming out of Miami that some of them are probably unwarranted for sure. I think that you're hitting on something there, but it feels like some of them were warranted. I don't know. Yeah, and they're hitting it real hard. Like the Vikings have been very forward facing that. No, we think this is a positive culture influence. And if that doesn't bear out, then these are comments we can revisit. Yeah, and, and I, I want to add that the, the stint in Pittsburgh 
even though it was just a year, I think that that is extraordinary. Like, I think that that's a really important kind of like you had like I'm not saying he had to, but I, I feel like had to have changes yeah. significantly because of yeah. it. That's very believable. It seems like he took a lot away from it. Like, he, yeah, he talks about Tomlin all the time. And I learned this from him and I learned that from. him. Yeah. So if, if that changes the way that he approaches things to me, that is 100 percent credible. That would make sense to me that maybe all the Miami reporters are correct about their assessment at the time. Maybe the this this time in Pittsburgh, even though it was only a year, was really substantial about the way that he approaches a lot of these things. I think we're all interested to see how this Flores tenure plays out here over the next year, maybe longer. And I think at this point, too, you can definitely start to hear and feel this collective mindset shared between Quasi and KOC on a lot of things. And not that that's really uncommon to hear the GM and the head coach speak so cohesively with one another, but it's just clear they're both on the same page. And that goes all the way back to the day they were brought in and building this three, four, five-year blueprint of what they both wanted. And it's just going to be interesting now to see year two now of this plan and how it all unfolds this offseason specifically and if the instant success they had in year one changes any of those plans because it still feels like they got one foot in this rebuilding bucket and one foot in this win now bucket got to be competitive but nobody thought they were going to win 13 games last season so does that dictate or change their aggressiveness to keep that window open now because you heard Quasi bring it up when he spoke regarding a lot of these big contract decisions and the notion that they've already had these conversations months and months ago I mean none of this is like a shock to them by any means like they know they're in cap hell they know they're gonna have to cut some big names so this was all in the plan all along my question is does that plan change because they were so much more successful than anyone thought they were going to be in year one? So it's just going to be really interesting to see how all this plays out this offseason. And I said yesterday, too, with Sam and Reggie, this is a monster offseason for Quasi, and one where I think we look back in three, four years and say this offseason specifically was kind of the turning point that got us to where we're at at that point, for good or bad, because these decisions with not just Kirk, but Dalvin, Adam Thielen, Eric Kendrick, these are going to have a huge ripple effect in the next few years of what this team looks like. All right, guys, coming up, we're going to talk about the Vikings acing the latest NFLPA test. But first, a word from FanDuel. Hey, don't forget, we're presented by FanDuel, the official sports betting partner of Locked On, America's number one sportsbook and official sportsbook partner of the NBA. Wolves covering the spread two nights ago. They moved to 32 and 32. Get in on all the action at FanDuel.com slash Locked On. And remember, if you're a new customer, try out the no sweat first bet. Up to $1,000 in bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Download the easy-to-use FanDuel app and get your winnings instantly. Money lines, parlays, prop bets. FanDuel's got everything you need to close out the NBA season's final stretch. FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sportsbook partner of Locked On. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. All right, boys, big story yesterday coming out about the NFLPA and their report cards for all 32 teams. 
These were done by the players, and the grading went off a variety of categories such as treatment facilities, food service, weight room quality, training staff, locker room, team travel, strength coaches. And wouldn't you know it, your Minnesota Vikings take the top prize. They earn the highest grade in the entire league, A's across the board. Their highest grades were in training room, training staff, locker room, and strength coaches. They got an A-plus in all those categories and tied for first place among the lead. Their lowest grade, A-minus, nutrition department. What's going on with that nutrition that? department? A-minus. Come on, guys. And Randy Moss Slip get it. a vote. Slip it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the Dolphins and Raiders right behind them in second and third. Meanwhile, Arizona Cardinals dead last in the league. Basically Fs across the board. Michael a couple Bidwell. Bs in there. So, you know, there's, this there's is like three teams that yeah. are just their entire week is thrown into in, like complete chaos. <laughs> Nobody nice. gets to ask, answer any combine yeah. questions if you're like a Ravens right. person well, anymore. Okay. Just so total disaster it's so i'll say this so the bottom three were right they were the 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 raiders the cardinals and the commanders right am i am i remembering that correctly yep i know commanders uh, for sure yep so so here's here's one thing that i think is kind of important to note is that the cardinals and the raiders are owned by legacy owners right like original family owners Mm -hmm. right all of the money that they've made comes from the nfl the commanders are different but also it's not shocking that they right. underinvest, right? Like that's just right. who the commanders are. Right. Uh, and hopefully won't be a year from now. Who knows when that sale occurs, but it mm. feels like that's going to be forced pretty soon. Um, but yeah, the uh, that, that's not shocking to me. I would imagine most legacy teams, uh, maybe not the Roonies, may, probably not the Maros, but most legacy ownership teams will rank a little bit lower here because the way that these questions were asked, and this is not a criticism, it's just context. The way these questions are asked are really in a big way, aside from the staff questions, about investment and attention, right? Mm-hmm. The attention part comes when, it, when you know, you're talking about like, you know, facilities for families and stuff like that. Like I, there was one story where I forget which team it was, maybe it was the Raiders, where, um, you know, a family had to breastfeed on the floor of the bathroom. And it's like, that that's... Jaguars. Oh, oh, okay, well, that's... A huge one, because that's not a legacy team at all. That's just a that's what I mean by attention, right? Sure. Um, they also have rats. It's great. Oh it's wow. Great. Good job. We're Good doing great. Job. Um but Shotcon is not the poorest odor by any reason. It's right. <laughs> yeah. Um so uh so yeah, it's investment and attention, right? And so you have to pay attention to some of these details, like I guess rats, that's a detail now. Um, and it, you have to, to be have fair, it is Jacksonville. Rats are like a, a, a normal, okay, actually, it's like yeah, a floor molding. It's a thing, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know? Yeah. It's a um, fashion. But it, the, the fact that the Vikings ranked near the top is, is not shocking given the amount of investment they're putting into their facilities. The NFLPA report noted that the Vikings had recently upgraded the facilities three times. Of course, attention is a big part of it, and it's great that the Vikings rocketed at the top because it's actually, it doesn't even seem close. You take a look at the rankings across the board between number one and number two, the Vikings are miles ahead. That's crazy. Uh, and yeah, and, and a lot of that has to do with the investment they've made. They made a lot of recent investments. Some of them didn't even appear on the survey. For example, you know, they talked about all the treatment facilities. You know, they were graded on like, you know, 98% of players felt that, you know, there was enough room in uh, in in the hot tubs. 98% of players felt that there was enough room in the cold tubs. 98% of players felt that there was enough room in the athletic training room, um, which I, it feels like there's like one player that's just like dissatisfied. When you that guy. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Yeah, like which the one I'm guy just, who misread the question or something. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. Yeah, I'm like just right. curious how that occurred or what happened there. Right. But like beyond that, it, it didn't include questions like, uh, you know, is there a cryo facility? Personally, I don't think a cryo facility helps. I think that the science on that suggests that that's actually a bad idea. 
Mm. Um, not generally harmful, but just prone to error in a bad way. Mm-hmm. Think Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown, yeah. Yeah. But um, the Vikings have one, and they've got a number of other facilities that are supposed to be on the bleeding edge of, of player treatment. And that's not even in the questionnaire. The Vikings continuously invest in areas to try and help promote their players. In the locker room, you know, the Vikings uh, were, I think, I don't know if they were number one, but I think they were. They got an A-plus, I believe, in locker room, which is not about locker room culture, but about physically the space of the locker room. Is it organized well? Is it comfortable? Is it safe? You know, um, is there enough space? And the Vikings, you know, the locker room is enormous right mm-hmm. so that would make sense um but it's, it's primarily investment and attention and the vikings made sure that they they ace both of those categories but the thing that's interesting to me is the staff grades the vikings are well ahead of the staff grades the strength and conditioning coach a plus that's good to see the athletic training staff i my guess I, I could be very wrong my guess is that that grade is inflated a little bit because of how dissatisfied they were with uh, Eric right. Sugarman and the previous training sure. staff, and just the contrast, having, yeah. having a better training, it might have just turned a dis into it. So who knows if it's actually right. the best athletic training staff in uh, in the NFL? But I think that that you know plays a role, and, and that's kind of some of the context we need. Uh, Luke, I think, has some more interesting stories about this, though. <laughs> well, and it is like it's great if you know you solved a problem so well that everybody's like yeah, over satisfied with it. That's awesome. It's just context. Yeah, there are some wild takes flying around about. What this. are the people saying out there on on the yeah, Twitter? The, the two Let's... most common ones that I either heard directly or indirectly were some nonsense about how this is making the that they're coddling the players and that it's they're making soft. them soft. They're yeah. soft. They're That's soft why they only went there's... thirteen and four or whatever. Yeah. What? And yeah. you know, this hey, is a bad thing. Bottom of well, the list: Rams, them. Chiefs. Look, okay, look, if a player walks across a training room and doesn't find himself tripping while holding weights over the uneven floor, I mean, what does that teach you, right? Yeah, if you you should be at constant risk of tetanus. Right. Yeah, I mean, just yeah, head on a swivel. Like, how are you supposed right. to be constantly <laughs> on a swivel, swivel of what's happening lock. on the field? If, right. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's a bulldog, right? Uh, yeah. How are you supposed to be aware of what's happening on the field right. if you're not supposed to be aware of what's happening in the training room? How are I you will say the Vikings did have famous teams? footing issues. <laughs> okay, fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, all right, all right. So that's one. And then the yep. other one was, uh, I still don't quite understand how we got here. It's a reach and a half. Uh, that something about how the, the Vikings, uh, well, of course the players are happy, the Wilfs won't let the Vikings cut anyone. So they get to make all the money they want. So yeah, of course they love it here. They get to, they, they don't get, it's like something about how the Wilfs won't, won't let the Vikings tank. And it, it's like, you have to there's get like four different steps. Man. There's a lot there. Wow. Lot there's players. like a lot of people that like not true either. The Vikings have yeah. a normal amount of roster turnover. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's like, <laughs> yeah, so like it, it, this the, was the, not one person. Okay. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> Interesting. So, so the the Interesting. premise is untrue, but were the premise to be true, it wouldn't follow, right? Like it wouldn't, yeah. like it would, like, it's what, not, not A to B. You, you need like three other premises, all of I, which I, I are I love the idea of a, of a player um, like filling out a survey. It's like, is the locker room big enough? And, and they're thinking, well, they didn't cut me. Yes. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Also, the idea of the Wilfs being like, Quasey wants to be, you know, hey, I, I don't think Jordan Hicks is doing well enough. We should cut him for cap space. And the Wilfs being like, no, absolutely no, not. not. <laughs> I, I, okay. No. That would be great. Like, they, like Quasey is like, okay, I'm going to cut 
Jordan Hicks and Amir Smith Marset and be like, Jordan Hicks, absolutely not. No. Who's, who's the other guy? <laughs> like, like, <laughs> like, like, come on. I figured they would be near the top. They've Heard invested so many resources into him the last five years or so. Still surprised to see him number one, like king of the oh, castle, yeah. top of the charts. How much do you think this affects or plays into free agency coming up? When a player sees this, how much does it move the needle for them if they're on the bubble deciding between the Vikings and another team that when they see something like this, maybe it could give them the edge? What do you think? Uh, I think so. I've got, Smith, I've got a very interesting thoughts. answer to that question, I think. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've got two thoughts. One is that the goal of this from the NFLPA is not actually to help players find the best spot for them to land. It's to force teams to think players will, uh, compete, will use this as a reasoning to find the best spot to land and overall use that competition to improve the quality of facilities. The Cardinals are punching air right now. They are <laughs> spinning. Because of this, because I mean, I mean, this is one of the smartest things JC Treader's ever done, and he's a pretty smart guy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so, and so, for this to kind of reveal what players believe about the facilities, it's absolutely going to. Because I imagine that either either players did not feel comfortable enough to tell Cardinals or move it up the chain that this was a problem, right? That the training room is uneven, that we could trip while we're working out, holding heavy weights, right? They either felt uncomfortable saying that. Or they said it and nothing was done, right? This mm -hmm. creates a public accountability atmosphere for that sort of thing. It's going to improve, hopefully, the quality of all the facilities in the NFL as they continue to have to answer these questions and s spin circles trying to answer like questions about why you know there's not enough like recovery room after a workout, right? So that's fantastic, right? That's the that's my first thought. The second thought is I do think that there's going to be a little bit here i think it's we're probably gonna it's probably gonna be overblown a little bit um but i think when it comes to some of the details like accommodating room for family right i think that that's going to be important to some players in a way that you know some of these other things aren't but if you were to ask me what matters more the fact that Minnesota has an income tax that when you play eight or nine games here in the state of Minnesota versus if a player is deciding to play in Houston, right? Um, and, and, and Texas doesn't have an income tax. You know, what matters more, that income tax thing? Right. Or the fact that the Houston Texans ranked, uh, you know, substantially lower than the Vikings on this thing. I would say the income tax. Thing, For sure. Right? Um, and, and this is me, like a, a huge uh, proponent of income tax, right? That just That's just a reality, right? Um, so... Yeah, it matters, but in terms of tiebreakers between teams, I, I, I'm not going to say it's nowhere on the list. I mean, it, there's a reason a bunch of players, when they sign with the Vikings, talk about the facilities, which now no longer sounds like BS, right? It felt kind of like because right. of hearing it over and over, it felt kind of like BS. Now, I mean, I, that matters. It's going to matter to some players more than others, but in the grand scheme of things, I think among the tiebreakers, this is a little bit lower on the list. If you're an older player, I imagine it's going to matter a little bit more because you know yeah. the importance of these training facilities. You are more likely to have a family. You know what it can be like for a, a frustrating training uh, environment to impact you. If you're a younger player, maybe not so much. Maybe you don't have contact with the athletic training staff. You don't know how important that is going to be. You haven't had much experience with the family environment. You know, So it might matter more to different players for different reasons. I mean, you're not going to see a big-name, star-studded free agent all of a sudden take a massive pay cut like Saquon Barkley right. come to Minnesota or anything like that just for the facility. But Saquon. when it does come down to deciding between this facility versus somebody else's, if that's, you know, again, important to that specific player, uh, maybe it could be a turning point for some guys. I agree with you. Great breakdown. One, one, one thing on that, the 
like economics i don't think change all that much like like you said like it's not going to lead to too much of a pay cut because at the end of the day players are going to chase the money and they should um but i think what it does is it gets a few more phone calls than you may have otherwise gotten and it, it expands your options like i think about patrick peterson and the story of him ending up as as a viking he called us and that that's how it works a lot of the time with with older veteran players especially as we like look for that at cornerback and maybe that's peterson and maybe that's somebody else but mm-hmm. if you're looking for those older players that have made their money who maybe aren't projected to make as much money and it's like okay any everyone's gonna pay me five mil and i'm just kind of choosing my destination this kind of stuff matters and that might not affect once you get at into the actual bidding war then it's just about you know who wants to spend the most on me but it will get them to say hey call the vikings i hear they have a really great facility let's see what they want to offer and that may not have otherwise like you may not hear people saying (laughs) right (laughs) are you going to be like hey call the cardinals you know they're going (laughs) to toughen me up like that's not (laughs) that's not going to happen you know the wilfs are just popping some bubbly right now celebrating great look for them again i mean they've put in a lot of hard work a lot of money they poured into those facilities. So, again, good look for the Vikings. Love to see it. All right, Arif, you're live down in Indy as we speak. 36th annual combine, I want to say. I just want to pick your brain just for a couple minutes. What's the latest? What's the hot topic everyone's talking about? Have you heard any, I don't know, hot takes, some rumors, some buzz down there? Who are you chopping it up with, rubbing elbows with? Any big names maybe you've gotten a little starstruck by? What's the latest? Paint the picture for us. What's going on right now in your world? Uh, so uh, this is going to sound so arrogant, but it's it's the reality. Uh, <laughs> I can't wait. I can't. No, wait. It's, it's 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 becoming increasingly difficult, and it's a sign of like how how well I'm doing, and I really appreciate it. I'm really lucky, but it's a sign of how that I, it's really difficult to be starstruck at this point. Um, when you're the star. No. Yeah. It's just I've already met Alan Page. First of all, that's just a personal hero of mine, right? Mm-hmm. But like I saw Joe Montana, and my thought was, eh, cool. Right, like it's, Larry it's, David, oh, Kirby enthusiasm. Eh, I get it. Show yeah, Montana, eh, quarterback. I get it. If he eh. walks over here, I might say hi. Right. It's it's just like it's kind of an overexposure thing. I think really. Yeah. Um. I I don't want to like ignore how how awesome it is to like be here and stuff like that. But you know, it's you know number of combine, um, whatever kind of like fourth combine I've been to. I'm really excited to be able to actually they're actually opening up the workouts to media uh this year, which is crazy. So uh, that's they, cool. They, before, so I'm excited to go do that and write about that. It's the novelty that's going to kind of attract me. So that's kind of cool. But, you know, I've been talking to all kinds of people. I've been talking to, you know, Luke, you know, the old draft Twitter standbys, right? You know, Justice and Chuck are here, yes. right? Uh, Mike the OGs. Yes. Um, yeah, just, just, some, just some classics from 2011 Twitter. Um, but, yeah, that. I mean, you know. Force uh, you players. Know, Justice, right? Yeah, now force, force players. Math rushers, right? Yeah. yeah. Scott Crichton. <laughs> Scott Crichton, yeah, but yes, yeah, so I've been talking to them. I've been hanging out. Uh, I've been talking to some uh, legacy media here. I stole the ringers' table. I've been hanging out with like uh, Ben Solak and Danny Kelly, who's also Love kind it. of a draft table from like 2011, if you think about it. Uh, but also like yeah. you know people from uh, you know the Athletic where I used to work. Uh, people from like a bunch of, like ESPN. I was I was I was talking to like Ben Baby who covers the Bengals for ESPN. That was been fun. So yeah, I've been talking to as many people as I can. Um, I'm getting increasingly concerned when people say, oh, I recognize you from your Twitter account. That is a that is <laughs> I am not confident about the impression I'm given there. And they start so, talking to you about Turkey and how great it is. And say, what's your deal? A couple of times. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, it, it's been fun in terms of like the conversation topic. I mean, uh, earlier the the conversations were about you know the Bears trading. What are they going to do? Mm-hmm. Are they going to trade down? Are they going to be able to grab you know a number of picks? Where what's kind of the haul that they'll expect to get? Are they going to trade below four? Are they mm-hmm. going to risk doing that? And then after the, the conversation's almost entirely been about Jalen Carter, right? Yep. Um, there's there's been a conversation about kind of like how serious it is, of course. What are the parameters of our discussion? We've had talks about what we can talk about, right, and what makes sense. Um, do we have conversations about draft stock? What does it mean to have conversations about draft stock? Hey, we've got a job where we kind of have to talk about that a little bit. What does that right. mean for us? Um, and, you know, the the fairly quick turnaround, I think, uh, struck some people as surprising. You know, he goes down to Georgia, posts Bond, uh, leaves the state to come back to Indy. Um, that was surprising to some people. That didn't shock me at all. But, like, I think that a lot of people – conflate jail and prison i think that people think jail and prison in prison mm. are the same thing and they're not mm-hmm. um jail is a holding cell for you to await for trial and you can post bond as essentially collateral for your release you'll get that back um actually it's posting bail but it, it but all the texts uh the right. tweets were posting bond and and that means that he took out a loan which i don't know he's got enough money to not do that but um yeah so uh, so, you know, he comes back, he's doing interviews with teams. We talked to a couple of GMs about it. The answers were universal. I wrote about it over a pro football network, but that has been the dominant conversation here. Now we're kind of getting back to, Hey, you know, Antonio Johnson, great, gave a great answer about versatility. Brian branch talked about it a little bit. You know, we heard, you know, from Kyer Brown a little bit about kind of being a versatile defensive back, but a lot of the conversation was mostly about what's going to happen at the top of the draft. And then the conversation was, whoa, the top of the draft changed pretty substantially here. And now it's back to, hey, who needs a safety slash corner? You know, what is going to happen uh, at wide receiver? When are we going to see them work out? Hey, the quarterbacks are going to throw tomorrow. Is that going to be kind of fun to watch? I don't know. So um, I don't know if they'll throw tomorrow. They'll, they'll measure tomorrow. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, there, there's been a lot of, like, kind of varied conversations about about stuff today, but only after we kind of got through the kind of obligatory Jalen Carter talk. And that's what's so interesting about Carter because he is a clear-cut top-five blue-chip player, and now it's really tough to justify as a GM or coach with some massive red flags. Someone's getting a steal of a deal if he drops past, let's say, 10, but given that this happened so early in the process, and now he's got two months. months, about it. Yeah, I mean, two months to kind of put out the fire, so to speak. Do you think he can weather the storm, him and his agent and his team, weather the storm, or would you be surprised to still see him go in the top five picks? I know it's early, a lot of speculation. Yeah, and 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 like you said, this is speculation on my part. I want to be completely clear that I have no information, no sourcing. I am guessing. My guess is that he will likely strike a plea deal with the police in order to get this done quickly pay a fine, be available for teams, and essentially to make it look not that bad. Because as bad as it is to have misdemeanor driving, reckless driving on your record, that's not great, right? And and obviously in this situation, it resulted in the tragic death of two, uh, as well as uh, two more who were injured in the hospital, right? That's not good. The question that teams need to answer is, is he going to miss any time in the short term? If we draft him, do we get him right away, right? That's right. one question they have to answer. The second question they have to answer is, is this going to happen again? Right. And I would imagine that a, again, guessing, I would imagine that a relatively light guilty plea would make it seem like it is 
in indiscretion. He does have a history of moving violations. He was pulled over for speeding, I think in September, I want to say, uh, going, I want to 98 and a 45 or something like that. Um, and, and, uh, and, and, and so that's, that's, a, that's a conversation. But I think that he could very credibly say that this experience changed him. Because I think one thing that we have to keep in mind is there are a bunch of things that, that teams are concerned about. Maybe, you know, teams are really concerned about the fact that he misled police upon return. But, like, one thing that we have to keep in mind is that there's no chance that he isn't traumatized. He's almost certainly right. traumatized by this event, right? And trauma will characterize your reactions to what's happening and a fear response could be to try and distance yourself without even intending to mislead the police, right? And I, I'm not saying that's the reason why. I'm saying it's one thing that we have to keep in mind, right? And and yeah. he needs to, and hopefully he'll find a team that will understand that and 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 help him kind of move forward. But that's just that's just like another thing that we have to keep. Like, there's a lot of reasons to potentially judge him, and maybe maybe you're correct to judge him. You're probably correct to judge him. But another thing that we have to keep in mind is that uh, this has probably deeply impacted him. And maybe that's a reason that this kind of behavior won't reoccur. And that's going to be part of a weird conversation that teams are going to have about, like, is this somebody that we want on our team? And, like, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. No, we've seen some draft weekend falls. Larmy Tunsil, Gasmax, Lyle Collins was a big one. So it's just going to be interesting. Obviously, now you got a two month window, like you both mentioned, right. uh, to kind of soften this blow. We'll see how much things change from now until then with Carter. Uh, so what's your schedule look like now the rest of the day? Who's at the podiums you want to talk to today? Who's maybe going to be sitting down? You mentioned you guys, the media that is, is going to be able to watch these guys perform on the field. What's the itinerary look like? What's a day in the life? Superstar reporter and insider Rifasan at Lucas You're gonna have Oil to ask Stadium. a superstar reporter for that first, but I'll, <laughs> I'll do my best. Stop it! <laughs> <laughs> Look at me. Hey. No, um, you know the, the mornings are always podiums. Uh, I shouldn't say always; they've changed the schedule pretty substantially over the past two, three years. But you know, this week the mornings are always podiums. Next uh, tomorrow morning, it's going to be a quarterbacks, which is going to be great. Uh, we're going to see some wide receivers and tight ends as well. Um, and you know, the quarterbacks those the, that podium session is going to be. Um, just like dense and and and, and packed and, and kind of difficult to get your question in. But, you know, today was defensive backs. There's usually some characters uh, among the defensive backs that are kind of fun to, to interact with. Yesterday was the defensive linemen. Um, the, uh, and kickers yesterday, too. Uh, missed that, uh, unfortunately. Tragically, I missed the kickers. Uh-huh. But, um, you know, so you do the podiums at the beginning. Uh, and uh, you also had general managers, coaches at the beginning of the week. And those podiums ran all the way past the afternoon. The player interviews do not. The player interviews basically stop around noon. Uh, and then you've got basically the rest of the day to do what you need to do. So for me, a lot of that is writing. But I will be headed over uh, at 3. Uh, the Lucas Oil Stadium opens up to reporters to be able to go and watch the workouts. I'm going to head over there. I'm going to write about the experience of watching it. I don't know if I'm going to have any takeaways from the players. Sure. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, but primarily my takeaway is, ah, isn't this interesting? And I'll yeah. write about that. No. Uh, and then after that, I'm going to go to Fogo de Chao. Uh, <laughs> one, of the, one, of the, one, of the, one of the great things about this week is that um, every night is a lot. It is Every night is so much. There's mm-hmm. so much happening. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been to a steakhouse every single night. My bank account's <sighs> running thin. Uh, <laughs> um, I have maxed out my per diem every single night here. And then after dinner, which doesn't, I, I need to remind you, it doesn't have to be a steakhouse. I'm just like, right. as a suggest, we could go anywhere. Just 
if anybody's watching, go anywhere. Right. It doesn't right. have to be a steakhouse. But <laughs> after the steakhouse, I mean dinner, uh, we hit the bars. We we uh, we talk to whoever we talk to. Uh, sometimes team personnel. Sometimes team PR. Kind of fun to, to catch up with them. Sometimes you don't remember necessarily who you talk to for one reason right. or the other. God, because there's so they all start to blend together a yeah. little bit after a while, don't they? Yeah, Just a little yeah, bit. That's the reason. Yeah, yeah. That's but the um, but yeah, uh, I mean, people have been out until like three, four in the morning. Uh, come back, nap. I say they don't even sleep. They nap and then they go to availability at eight. <sighs> I'm younger than a lot of people here, but I definitely don't feel it. It's a grind, man. It sounds like a gauntlet, but it sounds so fun. I got serious FOMO going on right now. Have you uh, have you pulled Peter King or like Mike Florio aside yet and said, "Hey, man, just be real. What, what what's the de- is is this all a bit? Do you really talk like this in real life? Or what's going on? <laughs> no. what's going on? <laughs> oh, you do. Oh, this oh, is you. Okay. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, all right. I uh, I haven't talked to, uh, to to Peter King or Mike Florio. I did. Uh, I did speak. I mean, they're both the NBC crew now, right? Because Peter King yeah. over at uh, yeah. yeah. I did speak super briefly. He probably doesn't even remember. I did speak super briefly to Chris Sims. Uh, he seems like a good guy. Uh, he is a former quarterback, so he is very tall. <laughs> but uh, I don't. Know. He seemed pretty real. That was kind of nice. Uh, I'm. That's not going to stop me from making fun of his takes on Twitter. Um, Nor should. But, yeah. But when has ever meeting anybody in real life stopped me from making fun of them? Uh, um, so, yeah, I don't know. Um, I've, I've been able to talk to, to a bunch of people that have been uh, been around for a really long time. It's been really cool. Love it, man. Great breakdown. Great itinerary. Have a lot of fun down there. Be safe, all right? Just, just you know, maybe not. maybe an we'll early night right. tonight. One night, you got to have an early night. All right? It's like no, Vegas. Suffer. You can't go five nights straight in Vegas. Uh, Mark, Mark Schofield is not going to let me go in early No, tonight. he will not. That's not no, <laughs> if, if I know Mark like I think I do, he will not. No. <laughs> NFL Combine Draft coming up next. But first, I got to tell you about Built Bar, made with 100% real chocolate. Find them everywhere you look now, Walmart, Sam's Club, or online at Built.com with promo code LOCKDOWN15 for 15% off. They're good, and they're good for you. 17 grams of protein with just 4 grams of sugar. Built Bars pack the perfect punch of nutrition and taste. An easy and delicious treat without the fat or calories. Stock up and grab them on the go at BuiltBar.com with promo code LOCKDOWN15. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com Slash podcast terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need indeed. Um, all right, guys, time has come. Let's rip through one quick draft here. Here's the deal. I wanted to give you guys a couple options today. So for our draft, I got three options. All NFL draft related, given it's combine week. Pull up your list as you're doing that. You'll see oh. three options. Now, I don't know. Maybe you can take a guess. But here's your three options. You guys can figure this out amongst yourselves. Which draft do you want to partake in? First of all is biggest Vikings busts. So we got Kellen Mond, Chas Surratt, Wyatt Davis, et cetera, et cetera. Second one is biggest NFL draft busts. Josh Rosen, John Ross, Blake Bortles, Trent Richardson, Jamarcus Russell. Third draft 
This is your third option. This is the one I originally planned for, but I was like, I don't know if they're going to like this. It's the worst combine performances by players who ended up being successful in the NFL. Anquan Bolden was already mentioned on the show earlier. Joe Hayden, Drew Brees, guys like that. So of those three options, I'll save the other two, put them in the bank. We'll do those in a couple other weeks at some point. Which draft do you guys want to partake like in today? One. I like the last one. Not only is it a little bit more positive, it's – it's it's the combine right now, so it's a little bit more kind of contextually appropriate. I like it. Okay, so here we go. I can't go first. We'll rotate snake draft per usual. Not a super large list. think we got about 20, 21 names. I guess maybe we could do five picks. I got four picks etched in here as of now. What did we do last time? Paper, rock, scissors? That worked out really well. That worked out great. <laughs> it worked out really well. That worked that out awesome. great. Um, I know. Pick, pick a number between uh, 1 and 100, and then Luke and I will guess, and then whoever's uh, – closest okay i got it i got it all right, all right on the 50. count of three you both say your number ready one <laughs> two three 50 69 <laughs> a lot luke you almost got it dead on i almost did it it's just uh, i i can't i, I can't that live because up to the i brand. thought it was something you Dude, would do <laughs> it was 18 i went with 18 uh, so reef you got the first pick again we'll do snake style draft again uh, these are the guys who stunk it up at the combine right? You're down there in Indy. There's going to be some big names who stink it up this week, but go on to have successful careers in the NFL. If you're listening, Antonio Brown struggled. He didn't get drafted to the sixth round. Orlando Brown Jr., maybe the worst offensive lineman combine ever. Terrell Suggs, Navarro Bowman. There's a lot of them on here. Got about 20, 21 names on here. Arif, is one guy sticking out to you the most? Yeah, Tom Brady. That's my Unbelievable! Pick. Did you see I tried to bury him on the list a little bit? Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> Tom I, I was Brady. Is the goal here to make the best team or to make the best team and also the worst combines? A great question. It, I don't really it, think it, I have an answer on that. It really yet. depends I, on how you tweet out the poll, right? <laughs> like yeah, yeah. 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 That's a great uh, question. Because you're I right. Say, some of these guys' combine was far worse than others. It was yeah. it was they hadn't had combine compared to how they were supposed to do. Wasn't necessarily a horrible combine per se. But what do you guys think? I'll take uh, any opinions you may I, have. I, I would I would say not the best team, the okay. best list of players who vastly outperformed their combine performance in the NFL. The the best argument against the combine. Perfect. Okay. Yeah. I like there that. You. Best argument okay. against the combine. I like it. All right, Luke. Uh, pick number two. Who you got? Uh, I mean, the the guy that it gets brought up every time a wide receiver tanks his combine is Anquan Bolden. Dang it. I was really hoping I could snag him. The All iconic right. one. Anquan mm -hmm. Bolden. Good pick. All right, back to back. I guess I'll go. I'm a little hazy. It was Drew Brees' combine that bad. I pulled up like four or five lists, and Drew Brees was on every one of them. I'm going to go Terrell Suggs for sure because he's also another guy that usually gets brought up with bad combines. And then I'm going to go with. You can go with Drew Brees. Whatever. <laughs> I always lose these things anyways to a reef, so it really doesn't matter. <laughs> All right, back to you, Luke. Um, I am going to go with – there's two I'm really struggling to decide between, but I think I'm also going to go with somebody who is, like, famously slow but good anyways, and that's Keenan Allen. Yeah, I threw him on. You can see him. He's dead last on the list. I threw him on at the last second because Arif actually mentioned his name early in the pod, and he reminded me that Keenan should be on this list because of a that lot of people are talking time. about him yes. with uh, Jackson Smith and Jiba. 
Oh yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, like that. that actually that fits. Yeah. All right. Are still some big names out here? Zach Miller, Justin Houston, yeah, Elvis Newmerville, uh, five eleven, Joe Hayden, bad combine. I'm, I might date myself with this one, and uh, this might be more a personal experience because I got destroyed in fantasy his rookie year because I was surprised someone even drafted him. Um, Arian Foster. Dude, that's mm-hmm. a good one. Yeah, he went undrafted, right? So like, he went the fact undrafted. that so one of the fantasy guys that I was competing against drafted him onto his team at undrafted running back. Undrafted. He was on his team like Steve Clayton, right? Yeah, undrafted and then turns into the number one running back in the league for a year or two there. Yeah, that was um, wild. Four six eight forty is why he <laughs> dropped out of the draft <laughs> itself. Ended up being a UDFA. Ball security concerns coming out of Tennessee. Forgot he's even from Tennessee. Yes, Tennessee. Four Pro yeah. Bowls though, thriving in that zone blocking scheme too. Yeah. So that was huge. Uh, Perfect. And then. And then I'm going to bring up another classic. Just I don't even I don't even think he's as good as people say, but it's kind of a classic. Oh my gosh, the combine doesn't matter. Jarvis Landry. Yeah, Landry, that was the other guy I was one. thinking of. Yeah, yeah, fair. four yeah. six five forty. Vert was unsightly. Twenty eight and a half inch vert. Yeah, unsightly is actually the right word for that. Ugh. Holy smokes, man. man, that's bad. All right, that is terrible. All right, Luke, coming back to you. That's a stacked team um, so far. I feel like you got big names on there, and then also obviously fits the criteria of what we're drafting as well. Tom Brady, Foster, and Landry. So I'm trying to think of like who gets talked about the most. Yeah, Maybe I'm a little overexposed to it because he was a bit of a Vikings Twitter crush uh, when he was up for trade from the Ravens, but I'm going to take Orlando Brown. He's not taken yet, right? No, nope. go he's for not. It. I yeah. was considering him, and I took Jarvis over him. So yeah, that's fair. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm going to take Orlando Brown. Just it, it, like all these examples of re- like, I'm trying to stay a little bit more. Well, I guess not. Uh, well, it, it's tough for me because I have this combine spreadsheet and I've got like scores for every player. And so I'm like really in it. And I'm just like, yeah, I yeah, he sucked. Did people know that he that his combine? Yeah, it's like, who did people talk about, though? Yeah. And people <laughs> talked about the Orlando Brown one a ton. Yeah. Anytime a tackle is going to bomb the combine, he's going to be he's going to be like the. Uh, and yeah, yeah, going forward. Yeah, for uh, sure. I think legitimately, no exaggeration, the worst combine performance in recorded history for an offensive lineman. I mean, it was just yeah. that bad. It was like to the point terrible. where there were questions about if if he trained. Because he ran like an eight second three cone or something like that, right? Like I'm trying to remember all of his workouts. Yeah, Maybe. I don't have his numbers in front of me, but it yeah. was bad. All right, I'm going to go with Joe Hayden. He seems to be on a lot of these lists. Ran a four five two, not horrible, but 5'11 corner. Let's see, third worst shuttle time that year. That's big. Orlando Brown, the, I, I confused the short shuttle and the three cone. He ran a 5.38 short shuttle. Not bad. I've never heard of that in my life. Not bad. No, that's terrible. All right. And then just for the clicks, Antonio Brown. Also, <laughs> yeah, it's a six round jump. Let's six see. 10 broad jump. Yeah, that's crazy. awful combine performance from Orlando Brown. Yeah, that's that's horrible. Cam Chancellor's on a lot of these lists, too. I didn't put him on there. You can fling out anybody else you want, too, by the way. This is a horrible team. This may be my worst draft I've ever put together. <laughs> um, all right. Back to you. Left some big names out here for you. Yeah, I think I'm just going for, for a, a big, well-known name. So I'll take uh, Navarro Bowman. That leaves me. So we're definitely not having a fifth round, right? You guys have actual time constraints. I'm good. Yeah, I've got time. All right, let's do it. Let's I'll do throw it. on pick number five. Cool. All right, there you go. Back to back. So, okay, that changes my my conversation topics because I was going to talk about all the players I would pick, right? And now I get to maybe potentially keep in my back pocket. 
Um, so uh, a lot of these guys um, are well known for having bad combines. Some of them turned out to be okay players. Some of them turned out to be great players. I kind of want to avoid some of that. Uh, I just want a guy who had a bad combine who turned into a potential all pro. I'm taking Justin Houston. Good and his player. explosion, if I remember correctly, his explosion numbers were actually good, but it was his 40 and his agility that were awful. I think his agility was terrible. Oh, failed a drug test too that week. So back to back. Yeah. Um, let me take a, just a quick look at Justin Houston. Um, oh, six nine five three cone, but thirty six. This is the other way around. His his explosion was whatever. Um, whatever. He's on my list. Man, this is tough because uh, you know one of these guys that I kind of want to look at was an okay player who just had one of the worst combines at his position ever. Another one I'm not even confident had a bad combine. He's a really good player, so I don't know if I want to pick him. Um, it was a decent pro day. It was a bad combine. Uh, I'm taking Clay's Campbell. That's a stacked team. Brady, Foster, Landry, Houston, Campbell. Okay, Luke, last pick, Mr. Irrelevant. Anquan Bolden, Keenan Allen, Orlando Brown Jr., Navarro Bowman. So I just looked it up. What if I told you a linebacker ran a 509-40? Vontez? You're taking, yeah, yeah Vontez? that's the guy. That's who I was just referencing. He's he he didn't turn into like wow. all that great of a player, but he had right. a career. He oh, carved out he a career. Was, yeah, he was. No, that's, that's what I was referencing. That combine was, suggested that he should, bad combine. Yeah, right. It, Plus, it suggested that field he should work in a warehouse. That's what it suggested. Yeah, Plus it suggested that he should not make a team ever. Yeah, and um, he carved and so out a reasonable career. One of the worst combines in his position ever. It turned into an all right player. That's what I was referencing. Yeah. That was yeah. I figured that's why I was like hoping you wouldn't take him because I wanted. Yeah, but Calais Campbell. I'm not. He's probably not making the Hall of Fame, but the fact that I thought about it—that's that, a pretty good argument. Yeah, no, he's, that's good pick. Um, but and and like Burfick's career didn't end too much on like the merit of his. Like a lot of it was the fact that he couldn't stop incurring 15-yard penalties. Yeah, right. And hurting oh, people. That too. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> we went a different direction there. <laughs> yeah, a uh, there. But it was it was like a like had nothing to do with his athleticism. Strangely, totally yeah. bombed the combine. Yeah. All right. To wrap up, Alfred Morris. Maybe he was pretty bad. Four six forty. People thought he was maybe a fullback coming out pretty slow. Remember that? Josh yeah. Norman's was bad, right? I'm not just making yes. that up. His forty was just atrocious. Yeah. I'm gonna go with Norman. Bad. Elvis Doomerville was like his only thing was like he was five eleven and you're a defensive end. Doesn't make sense. I don't think his testing numbers were like four atrocious. six six. Four six six as a oh, corner, yeah. Wow. Okay. And, and, and not great agility numbers. Thirty three inch vert, I think. So yeah. Uh, yep. Well, now that the draft is done, I, uh, if 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 all of my picks had been sniped, I was just going to go off uh, off the script and pick Zadarius Smith. Mm, Pretty bad combo. Wow. What about a good one. pander move? That was I was thinking, but I was like, Calais Campbell? Nah, come on. I got to take Calais Campbell. Was there <laughs> any other? Guys that when you first glance at the list, you're like, there's another guy that maybe I didn't put out there that you're like, this guy should be on that list as well. I threw Keenan Allen on at the last second. Like I said, Cam Chancellor was on some of those lists. Any other guys that popped him up? Like Zedarius Smith, that's a good example. Zedarius, Richard Sherman. Yeah. Yeah, he ran a somewhat slow 40, did not have a three cone, but he was tall, smart, had long arms. Um, so that's probably one. And maybe I should have just picked him anyway. But uh, yeah, uh, those two come to mind, Zedarius Smith and Richard Sherman. 
All right, there you have it, boys. I thought that was just a fun way to showcase and display just how many draft picks that have struggled, had terrible combines, but still went on to have pretty successful NFL careers as we gear up for draft season now. Go check the Twitter feed later on. Get your vote in. Tell us who you think had the best draft. All right, guys, that's a wrap today. Remember, like, rate, review, and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Join us four days a week, Monday through Thursday, with your one-hour breakdown of everything Minnesota Vikings. Don't forget, we're a podcast, too, free and available, all platforms. Subscribe, drop us that five-star review, and find us now streaming on your Roku or Amazon Fire Stick devices. Just look out for our Locked On Sports Minnesota app there as well. That's the man, Arif Hassan, live in Indy. Pro Football Network on Twitter, at Arif Hassan NFL. Luke Braun, check him out every day on Locked On Vikings. He's on Twitter, at Luke Braun NFL. We're back Monday with another episode of The Football Party, part of the Locked On Sports Minnesota Network. For Arif, the two Lukes, until next time. Signing out. <laughs> Unbelievable. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.